Ik ben Wilco en ik luister nooit naar Ik betwijfel het van Dollemore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this episode 292 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, the woman who's pulling a Bill O'Reilly right before the show, <laughs> Brittany Page. Um, You're I- making the jerk-off motion. Uh, the universal symbol for jerking off. Yeah, I was doing that. <laughs> I. You hate my pre-show routine. I don't hate it. I just, I know what it is, so I responded in after, a very... After 300 or whatever episodes. <laughs> classy way. You. Yeah. You still, it gets on your nerves a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we are. Mm-hmm. Episode 292, rapidly approaching episode 300. Yes. Yeah. How are you? I'm okay. I'm drinking a, a beer that appears to be flavored with liquid smoke. How are you? Uh, I thought bad. You thought bad? Be- I mean, maybe not as bad as you drinking a beer that tastes like liquid smoke, but my, uh, I was kind of a dick this weekend. <laughs> kind of a dick. Yeah. Well, at least my stomach thinks so. Mm, you're yeah. having some tum time. I am having uh, an in. In, in, in what is it uh, a gastrointestinal uh, situation tum time yeah because of spicy ass food Ooh. yeah so it's hot well, the here here's 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 the deal you love spicy food yeah I have a history of loving even spicier food than I currently torture myself with yeah I used to be insane mm-hmm. about the spicy food deal. Yeah. And it's not so much anymore. Because? Well, it just always, it takes more of a toll on me. Uh-huh. The next day. Right. Tum time. If you know what I mean. Having a tum time. it's not even that my butthole burns. Uh-huh. It's just that my stomach gets like, fuck you, man. Yeah. You know, it gets angry about yeah. it. Yeah. So, not so much the fiery butthole. Mm. More just twisty, crampy, sour stomach. Yeah. Trying to take care of my biz before it gets to the to the butthole. <sighs> Too much butthole talk? It's quite a bit. I think the audience appreciates a little Jesse D butthole talk once in a while. Uh... <laughs> so anyway, no, hang on. Uh, I bought this bag of chips, which is Packy, they're called. P-A-Q-U-I. And they're supposed to be ghost pepper, and they're pretty spicy. Yeah. I think a, a normal person would probably eat, you know, a, a couple, two or three chips. I don't know if it's just me, but I think that the the main reason they seem so spicy is because they have so much seasoning on them. Yeah. So when you put them in your mouth, you kind of inhale the spice. Yeah, that, that's, that is the deal. That happened to me a couple times. And then you have to kind of wash it down with saliva. Yeah. Try to calm down the... Spices floating around in yeah. your face. Well, we I, I downed that bag. Mm-hmm. We bought that on Friday. 
I I think I opened it yesterday and it's gone. That bag of chips is gone. It was a pretty tiny bag of chips. Yeah, not a giant. It's not like a one's, you know, like a grab bag, well, like a lunchable size. A lot of these chip companies are filling the bags like 25% full. Yeah, that's fucking that's a subject for another day, but fuck you chip companies. That's bullshit. <laughs> and then we had tacos on Friday night, which always involves one or two diced habaneros yeah. to be distributed upon my tacos. It's too much. It's too much. Then I made gumbo last night. Delicious, delicious gumbo. Which also ended up being doused in habaneros. And then this morning, we used the rest of the taco meat. This audi- The audience is fucking not happy right now. And Here's the weekend menu, like, everybody. Like egg tacos with the taco meat, which also included a couple of habaneros. Yeah. So needless to say, I'm You're all cleared out. I'm filled with habaneros. Oh no, I don't <laughs> think so. I think there's there's more action to come, but Perfect. Yeah, just kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of bummed out. Yeah. Or my stomach is bummed out. <laughs> Butthole, pretty good. Oh. Butthole is fine. Won't be tomorrow. I Everybody heard. I know, you're very concerned. Do not worry about your humble host's butthole. It is fine. Ugh. You're not doing the jerk-off motion now, are you, Brittany Page? I'm not. (laughs) Not in the mood. (laughs) So, speaking of 300 episodes, or however many, I always say 292 numbered episodes, and then with bonus content, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Well, we had loyal listener, friend of the show, Randy. He did the math. Jesse E. Brittany... My Spanish lesson. Randy, who now is living in Mexico for some inexplicable reason. My my guess is he's on the lam. (laughs) He's running from the authorities. My Spanish (laughs) lesson was canceled at the last minute today. So instead of doing something productive, I decided to count up your shows for you. I know. Pathetic, right? Goddamn. Okay. Okay. Looks as if, A, Jesse was a sick turd in 2014. A lot. Anyway. B, your first bonus episode was released on August 8th, 2015. C, your website is worse than Jesse's turkey gobble impression. Hey, how dare you, sir? D, total of bonus apps, adding in the one titled 272-2, comes out to 35. E, I don't know why I'm putting these in bullets. F, there's one duplicate. Iowa atheists in the archive, which I did not count. G. I also didn't count the numerous Jesse is sick messages as episodes. Refer to Jesse was a sick turd in bullet A above. Hmm. H. As of episode 290, your real episode count is technically 325. And I, I'm going to kill myself now. (laughs) Stay chilly, Randy. So 327 is where we are now. Mm -hmm. And all those episodes brought to you by... Everybody's favorite listeners who are Patreon and PayPal supporters. Like Randy. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, and and let me address the sick thing. Fuck you, Randy. How about that? We used to be in this habit of even if we were sick, I'd get to the mic and say, hey, everybody, I'm sick and we're not going to do an episode. Well, because I would get nervous. You were weird about it. Right, because people wake up. And they expect the show to be there. Yes, that's true. And so I Brittany was looking out. Yeah, I wanted you guys to have something that was, you know, explaining why we suck. 
And most of the time that was because Jesse was sick and unable to do yeah, the show. You, you know, the thing is, is I've got to, I got, this isn't just like uh, working on in a fucking assembly line. I got to be on my game. I got to be mm-hmm. thinking about shit. Well, sometimes. I got to be halfway funny or something. Yeah. It can't be just, well, I'm sad. Ew, my stomach hurts. I don't know why I'm doing that's, my Ben Carson. That's pretty but... much what the intro just was. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a tum time. Uh, not really. I'm I just, ate tacos. I'm talking about the celebratory <laughs> uh, dining experiences, which lead to a little crap town. Right. So anyway, <laughs> that's the town. deal. That's the deal with the with the sick postings. Crap town eighty nine. Everybody. Uh, anyway, that is that. So we. <laughs> sometimes, that is that. Sometimes I don't like you. Just saying. And other times I don't like you and the fucking contributing <laughs> listeners. All right. Yeah. Whatever. You guys are dicks. <laughs> so let's talk about this racist Mormon yeah, mom. I was just looking for a transition. No better transition than that. Yeah. Let's talk about this racist fucking Mormon mom. You may not have heard of her. We don't know her full name. We know her as Wife with a Purpose. I think her name is Isla. Or Isla. That's right. Her her Twitter handle, we'll just get it right out of the way, is at a purposeful wife. And, <laughs> and Brittany brought this to my attention. And it doesn't surprise me. And we'll get into why it doesn't surprise me. But she is a, well, let's put it this way. Richard Spencer, the Nazi face punched heard round the world, seen round the world, he follows her on Twitter. So Does he follow a lot of people on Twitter? I, I don't think so. Yeah. I could, I could look real quick. But he probably admires her tweets because she... No, no. He has 55,000 followers and he follows 538 people. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he likely enjoys... Her messaging right. because she's one of these these racists who says, "I'm not racist. I just have white pride, and I That's have exactly pride right. in my culture." Yeah. Right, which is always kind of confusing to me because she has all these white pride posts, but she didn't choose to be white. That's yeah. a weird thing to say. Well, she her blog. Which is, and get this, this, of course, fucking, of course, this is the name of her blog, nordicsunrise.wordpress.com. <laughs> right, which is, which is another thing that's concerning because a lot of white supremacists, a lot of them are concerned with Nordic Nordic race, Nordic countries, right? They believe they're descendants of the Vikings, essentially. Kind of a Viking uh, chronology of their genes. Right. So when I was young and growing up in my white supremacist household, and if you're a new listener... so great that we can talk about it openly now. Yeah. And if you're a new listener, (laughs) go back and listen and figure out when we talked about it first. (laughs) I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. um, We used to do like coloring pages of Vikings and Odin and Freya and all these Norse mythology people. And uh, my mom had these Nordic lettering tiles going across the fireplace. It was very much a part of growing up in a white supremacist household. We were told we were descendants from the Vikings and that culture is held up as being the ultimate perfect white culture right so, so let's we're getting a little off track here because we, we haven't 
we haven't dropped exactly why we're going to talk about her. She wrote a blog about white babies. Yeah, so she said that she's had six white babies. And oh, the white white baby challenge, yeah. that's what it is. And it's a white baby challenge. She says white baby challenge. She says match me. So listen all you blacks and browns out there, you're not a part of this. You can't be a part of the white baby challenge. It's like the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> God damn, except only for Nordic people. Yeah, so she she's saying I've had six white babies, match me or out, outpace That's me. That's right. Match me or beat me. Yeah. And <laughs> because she wants to rebuild the white race. She's saying that, um, especially in Mormon culture and in Utah, that white culture is being ripped apart and it's being taken down by, I believe she said like rap music and quote unquote black ghetto culture. That's black ghetto culture. Right. right. God damn. So here, here, here's the thing. One, uh, let's get out of the way. I'm no fan of the Mormon church. Uh, I grew up in Idaho. Um, Boise, for instance, has more Mormons per capita than Salt Lake City, Utah. That might be surprising to some of you, but that is fact. That's the way it is. Now, I'm not prejudiced against Mormons because I grew up a bunch of them fucking Mormons and I don't like them. I don't like them because of tangible, real-world history that involves systemic Open, blatant fucking racism. Until 1978, the Mormon church, I guess, let me say this. This is why I'm not surprised by this mommy blogger who's doing the white baby challenge. This is why no one should be surprised when they find out a Mormon has some troubling views on race. Until 1978, blacks... Anybody of any color was not allowed to hold the priesthood within the Mormon church. Women are still not allowed to. It was, But it was divinely inspired racism. That is right. Right. So in 1978, they got the quote-unquote revelation from God that this was now a thing. And you'll notice that it happened in 1978. Kind of late for that to happen. Right. So it sounds like they were under pressure. Things weren't looking too good. So he sent that revelation just in time. Right. And then, talk about late to the game, three years later, they changed all of the scriptures in the Book of Mormon, the perfect, perfect Book of Mormon. They changed the scriptures referring to uh, the topic of uh, white and delightsome. There were several scriptures in the book to pure and delightsome. Now, a lot in the church, you talk to a Mormon, they'd say, oh, no, we changed that because the change, keep in mind prior to this, they called it the perfect testament from God, that it changed, the change referred to a cleaner state of the heart, like purity. And there is a scripture in the Book of Mormon, Second um, Nephi 5.21, that says, and he had caused the cursing to come on them, the cursing. Yea, even a sore cursing because of their inequity. For behold, they had hardened their hearts against him, and they had become like unto a flint. Wherefore, as they were white and exceedingly fair and delightsome, that they might not be enticing unto my people, the Lord did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. And there are several scriptures throughout the Book of Mormon that talk about 
white skin, white and delightsome, being something to seek after. Right, and then ancient people being cursed with dark skin. Well, they believe, I don't know that the modern Mormon church, but early early church founders, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, all taught that the, the curse of Cain, the mark of Cain, was black skin. So don't be surprised by this. I just wanted to talk about this. But it is... This is a growing movement right now in Mormonism, this attachment to the alt-right. I believe it's one of the reasons why Donald Trump did a lot better than expected in Utah. Um, I think just like any other religion, Mormons have to <laughs> pick and choose, right? And ignore the... Mas- massage the history. Yeah, they have to ignore this part in order to be a part of the organization, I have a soft spot for Mormons. Sure. Well, no, no, no. I, listen, I'm not bitching about Mormons. Well, I just want to say that I, you said it's a growing segment, yeah. and that is likely true, although it hasn't been evaluated in any systematic way. So there's no real way to tell how many in the Mormon church are alt-right people mm-hmm. and whether or not that number's growing. That would be difficult to ascertain. But That's just me talking out of my spicy butthole. Okay. So I I think like any other religion, people have to pick and choose and disregard the negative parts in order to take part in these less than ideal organizations and believe in these less than ideal religious doctrines. Sure. So I think that most Mormons do that. And listen, I think that's unfortunate too, but I would rather have people disregard that and not believe it than do what this person is doing, the purposeful wife, and use those scriptures as motivation for advocating positions that oppress people, attack people, and harm people. Sure. So I would rather them fool themselves (laughs) um, or speak out against this. And that's actually what I think the Mormon church needs to do here is they need to come out. And every article I've read about this woman, the church has not made a statement. To me, that's very troubling. And the church needs to come out and say, emphatically... You're fucking out of here. Yeah, (laughs) they need to excommunicate her for sure. And they need to excommunicate anyone that holds this position. Because they need to show... Listen, 1978 wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Some people in this room were alive then. Yeah. It was a not that long ago right it's almost the 80s everybody yeah that they weren't letting black people have leadership roles in their church you know yeah the subjugated class so anyway that's frustrating let me can i just read something i know this is kind of disjointed us talking about this fucking crazy idiot but here's some of the things she's written i've made six match or beat me just as inner-city Chicago used to be full of hard-working Christians, Poles, Germans, and Irish, as though Christians, the Poles and Germans and Irish weren't Christians, like they're their separate group. Uh, just as the inner-city Chicago used to be full of hard-working Christians, Poles, Germans, and Irish, but is now overrun with black ghetto culture. It seems Mormonism and Utah are the next target for cultural destruction. And what's worse... The Mormons themselves are welcoming it. This is 
tr- tr- very troubling. That a she's getting a lot of press too. She also makes like a hundred and thirty dollars a month on Patreon. <laughs> Oh, she's a Patreon compatriot. Yeah, people are paying her on Patreon for her YouTube videos and whatever else she does. She has free children's books about the the white race and white culture. She's one of these that believes fully in what they call white genocide. That interbreeding with different races is, is uh, a genocidal impact on white people. That if you have a mixed race baby... You are murdering the white race. So I love this quote. She says, we have an epidemic in the Western world right now. In America and Europe, citizens have become self-obsessed, lazy, fat, demanding, spoiled, loud, controlling, egotistical, and mentally ill. (laughs) What? Yeah, it's the same thing. She goes on to say feminism, homosexuality, atheism, hedonism, and transgenderism are being promoted while the hard work and priorities of family and faith have all but died away. And this pattern is killing us physically and spiritually. Yeah. She's super, super faithful and pure. She's white and delightsome, Brittany. Mm-hmm. White and delightsome. Right. So I just wanted to bring attention to this woman. And that, look, this is 2017, everybody, and we're still fighting the scourge of racism. This, this woman is a disgusting perversion of a decent human being. She's masquerading as though she's holier than thou while championing for Donald Trump and the alt-right. Very troubling. So we're going to talk about another mommy blogger, and I don't know why we're doing this. Uh, <laughs> Apparently just an attack, an all-out an onslaught of attack on mommy bloggers today. Yeah, well, I was sent this article by one of my friends, and I started reading it, and about five seconds into it, I said, bullshit. <laughs> I was by myself, but I said it aloud. <laughs> really did yeah it was it was from this website faithfamilyamerica.com red flag um the title was traumatized mom shares her scary experience in the bathroom at disneyland oh this woman yeah uh to whom we reached out to try to get on the show yeah and she has ignored we know she's read the message yes and she has ignored the request right so her name Kristen quintrall Kristen quintrall Kristen. Quintral. Right. This is how the Faith Family America article started. It happened at Disneyland, but really, it could happen anywhere. Kristen Quintral is a liberal California mom who didn't have any problems with the idea of transgenders picking their bathrooms until she had a disturbing experience at Disneyland. Dun, dun, dun! So... Couple of things. I <laughs> just a, just a couple of things. I knew that this was not. <laughs> I knew this was not going to go well because it says transgenders. That's not the the term that you're supposed to use. Also, it took five seconds to find out she's not a California liberal. No. So we went to her Facebook page, right? And she had reviewed Milo Yiannopoulos on Facebook yeah, and gave him a five star. Everybody. <laughs> so this liberal California mom loves Milo Yiannopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> 
He is the best. But anything to further that fucking narrative that even this liberal, Cal- just because she lives in California doesn't mean she's a liberal. Right. Dick face website. Yeah. Well, faith, family, freedom. Yes. Faith, family, America. Close. So <laughs> she also had posts on her Facebook page about how she um, wants to limit the size of government. Right. A lot of just super liberal posts all over her page. So. <laughs> Really, it was like going to Nancy Pelosi's website. Right. So I'm not going to read her blog post, but I'm just going to tell you what she claims happened. So she claims that she went into the bathroom, the women's bathroom at Disneyland, and there were a lot of women in there, some with their children, and in walks a man. And she says that this man was clearly a man, that there was no attempt to wear female clothing That's right. she, or... She describes him as like a burly Mexican right. in a Lakers jersey. jersey. Yes. Yeah. And she said that he came in and just leaned against the wall and watched everyone with like a smug look on his face. Yeah. And she said that everyone was too afraid to say anything... Because this politically, what's what's the word? This environment we live in now. This, this What is politically correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The politically correct culture has silenced anyone and everyone was too afraid to say anything because they didn't want to be offensive because, well, what if, right? God. Now, this is just so ridiculous because one, I don't know how many times we have to talk about this. But these laws, right? People are all up in arms about these laws. Men can walk into bathrooms anytime they want. It, right. The, if a law was in place There's saying no, that men couldn't go into the bathroom, that guy would have walked into the bathroom. That's right. There's no chromosome test before you walk in to see that you have the correct lineup. Second, I'm a liberal. I'm a, I'm a liberal yeah, who lives in California. A, that guy would have had a bad fucking day had Britney Page been that bad. There's a guy leaning against the wall, not doing anything, just looking at people with a smug look on his face. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be like, what's he, going listen, on in here? I would venture to say if a woman was standing there just checking everybody out in a yeah, creepy ass hell? way, you'd be saying, hey, do your business and get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? To act Maybe like... Maybe not quite that aggressive. But. No, I know. I'm primarily just angry about this blog post i was reading it and i'm just thinking there's just no way i don't believe it happened if it did happen she failed everyone in that bathroom by not saying something or alerting the authorities right so she's saying that the assumption here is that men who are predators feel emboldened to do this kind of thing now because they won't be questioned that's what she basically was saying in her blog that now because of the politically correct climate Predatory figures will go into the bathroom because they feel like they can and will not be questioned. Well, if that's how you feel, then why didn't you question that person that you had deemed a threat, that you had deemed a predator? You said that there's a bunch of women in there with you. Right? I mean, I'm confused. I I think I think she fabricated the story for her blog. And one of the reasons why, well, she's not going to come on our show because she's going to be challenged on it. But I think she's avoiding negative press because of the fact that she's going to get tough questions. She's People are going to bear down, bore down into her story and find out that she is a fucking liar. Right. Well, she said that women literally turned to her and like whispered, what is he, what is he doing in here? Like yeah. what's going on? Yeah. And that everyone Ugh. was just too afraid to do anything. Listen, there's power in numbers. 
That's why they tell you to walk to your car with somebody. Yeah. Right? If there were women in there with you. And listen, if you go to the authorities in a Disneyland, in a public place like that, you say, hey, there's a dude in the bathroom who is scary and he's scaring people. He's not someone in transition. He's not your transgender type. You know, whatever language you want to use. And you say, there's a dude in there. They're going to go fucking check it out. Well, you don't even need to say, I don't know if they're in trans. I don't know what's going on. There's um someone standing against the wall. Not They're not with anyone who's using the bathroom. Right, right. I'm they're indicating not... that telling the authorities right. will garner a reaction. Yes. They're going to go. You know what Disneyland doesn't want on their fucking hands? <laughs> a sexual assault happening on campus. No. In a bathroom. No. You know how bad that would fucking be for their bottom line? So here's the point of this story is that this has been going around and people are using this as ammunition for do, do your digging for their position on that issue. But the thing is, I knew within five seconds, just the way that it was written, that it, it something was fishy. Something was weird. It didn't feel right. So I typed in her name and I tracked her down and she had reviewed Milo Yiannopoulos and given him five stars. This is clearly not a liberal California mom. She right? had an agenda. So this was propaganda. This website had taken her blog post, whether she gave it to them or not, whatever, they took it and they claimed that she was a liberal California mom because that is the best narrative for what they're trying to do. Yeah. Lined right up. And many people just read it and took, started sharing it. Took it at face value. They don't even need to know if her story is true or not. And listen, we tried to reach out to her. We wanted to interview her. We wanted to talk about this because I'm super interested. If this really happens, I want to break it down. I want to know why she didn't say anything. I want to know. I want to know more about that because to me, that's confusing. And this happened in our backyard. We live just miles from Disneyland. Right. I mean, this is this is home turf. We would like to know. Yeah. I mean, we don't make it to Disneyland all the time because that's fucking boring. I like Disneyland. <laughs> so anyway, the other message is do your due diligence. Check shit out. Look into it. I would guess that there are people of the liberal persuasion or who are sympathetic to this entire bathroom transgender issue that would say, huh, well, there's something to that. If another liberal, if she identifies as someone like me, if someone like me could feel that way, it might make the, the bridge a little easier to gap. The mm -hmm. gap a little easier to bridge. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, do, do your research, folks. That's all we're saying. And we know you do. Of course they do. They listen to this goddamn show. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Are you ready for all of these names again? Another banner half week for us. It awesome. Was we love you guys so much. Fantastic. I got to do a different thing. I can't do the low every time. Okay. Well, you figure that out. All right. Emily, Tiffany, Crystal, Eric, Zachary, Juan, Mary, Laura, and Donna. Un-goddamn believable. Yes. Seriously, another week of several new patrons on Patreon and PayPal, and we cannot thank you guys enough. It is 
Seriously, it's emotional that we are striking a chord like we are and growing as quickly as we are. It's beautiful. Right. So if you got a message on Patreon a couple of days ago, that means that you have stickers on the way in the mail. Yeah. And, and while while I was making the envelopes, yes. I realized that we did not have enough stickers for everybody we need to send stickers to. So we immediately ordered more. Yeah. They will be here, I believe, on the 20th or something. Yeah. So and the we stickers, will immediately turn around and get those out to the rest of you. Right. The stickers will be here on the 20th. We already have envelopes prepped for the rest of you, and we will get those out. So I know people are expecting them, and... We will do that. The other thing is, well, this Friday, we have a Patreon call, a, a Google Hangout call with whatever level of the, the, the patrons, whoever they are. Anyway, <laughs> and Saturday, we're supposed to have one, too. However, we're going to have to postpone that until the next day because the tax day march, the protest against Donald Trump having not released his tax returns in Los Angeles is happening on the April 15th. Yeah. And we really want to go. We want to interview people. We want to have some audio for the show. We want to, you know, again, it's kind of bonus content. That's so so we're gonna we're just gonna postpone it a day, and we're gonna go up there. And I've got a buddy who's coming. And we're gonna film, do some interviews. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So we're sorry because I'm dumb and I'm a dumb planner who plans things dumbly. Yeah. Well, we are sorry because we do plan it a month in advance, and we. Forgot about tax day, because who cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then also, for those of you who are uh, pa- uh, patrons on Patreon, if you haven't gone in and adjusted your per episode pledge to a monthly pledge and worked with whatever math you want and changed the amount... You are not explaining that correctly, so I will take over. All right. If you have not gone in and adjusted your amount, let's say you were giving a dollar per episode. That now means you're giving $1 per month. If you would like to change that, that's all that you need to change is your your amount. You don't need to do anything else. Just go in, change your amount, update it for what you would like to give per month. Remember, it's no longer a per episode deal. That's right. I Again, dumb. Dumb guy. All right. We love you guys. Thank you very much. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, listen, I think the audience knows me well enough by now that I'm a fella who, who really likes to toot my own horn. Here we go. However, oh, sometimes tooting of the horn is only obligatory in, in that it needs to be done because, you know, my ego needs stroke. Mm. But the reason is kind of a bummer. This happens to be one of those times. As you all know. Oh, my God. What? It's all The reason I didn't want to do it, well, we're doing it anyway, fuck, whatever, uh, is because it is kind of celebratory and we fucking bombed a country. Well, it's celebratory for you in that you you get to toot your own horn, but you were right about something that's Shitty. very unfortunate. Yes, yes. But you're still playing the ridiculous horn. Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? I got to play it when I can play it. Mm-hmm. I got to take advantage of the times that I'm actually right and can prove it. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. So last time on the show, it was pre, it was post-Syrian gas attack, but pre 
American Tomahawk land attack missile launch. And I made a claim. I made a prediction that two things were going to happen. Well, we'll just say one was going to happen. And I want to go to the tape. And I think that you, that we can see, we can look forward to, or not looking forward to it, but it's going to happen. I predict some kind of eminent military action somewhere as a measure to boost his popularity. Because when you, when you deploy the military and you act with strength and determination using the American military, you seem presidential. Yeah, he wanted a rollout of the <laughs> the tanks and all right. that for his inauguration. So. Well, speaking of that, because that's a very North Korea move, there's shit going down with North Korea right now. And rather than kind of kick the, the can down the road in silence, strategic silence, I think they called it, during the Obama administration, he's just being a fucking maniac about Kim Jong-un and telling China, look, if we're going to do it with or without you. We'd like your help. But if not, fuck you. We're going to deal with North Korea alone. All right. Now, usually I like Brittany to come back in after a clip like that. So you know that the clip is over. But she was doing something on her phone. Wasn't available to see me waving my hand for her to come in. <laughs> you know, it's weird. because little I, how the sausage is made over here. I had the suspicion that you were waving, but I was just like, eh, he's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that last episode I talked about this, that Donald Trump in, a, in an effort to to raise his uh, approval numbers are gonna, is going to do something like this. Now, yeah. the reason I said two things happen is because, one, we did lob the missiles into an airfield, which they used the very next day to attack the same town, the same area. So what we did was completely ineffective and bullshit. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's happening, and then we're going to circle back to Syria, but the other thing that's happening, the two for one here involves Korea. A U.S. Navy aircraft carrier group is now headed for waters near the Korean Peninsula. A Pentagon official telling CNN the deployment is in a direct response to North Korea's recent military moves, particularly the launch of a unique type of extended range Scud missile. On the phone with me now, CNN Pentagon reporter Ryan Brown. Ryan, fill us in on what U.S. military officials are now saying about this carrier group movement. Well, hello, Anna. That's right. This is the USS Carl Vinson. It's uh, one of the aircraft carrier uh, task forces. It's currently was just in Singapore. It actually was just in the Korean uh, area, uh, area of operations, conducting uh, exercises. So this deployment... Is, and you said directly, the military is classifying as directly in response to the provocation, including that recent extended range uh, missile test. And the military assessed that that missile exploded in flight. But this is just, this is what the late, that was the latest of a series of tests by Pyongyang as they seek to refine that capability. And of course, you heard some stern uh, responses from the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson in the wake of that uh, test, saying that the U.S. was no longer going to speak about these these items. So this is, I guess we could say this is an action being taken in response to those provocations. Now, this could be a number of different things. This could be just posturing, military posturing, just to show them that we're not fucking around, which maybe uh, maybe is a necessary thing. 
However, it never needed to be done with Obama, and we're still here. The other thing that it could be is eminent attack, eminent provocation to either push their hand until they do something, and then we lob some fucking missiles into Pyongyang, which would be a bomber, because there are innocent people who live there. Brainwashed, but innocent. So it's a wait and see. But it is very, very tenuous times because of the fact that we have a goddamn moron as president. An unhinged narcissist as president who is only focused on how he is viewed and how well he is liked and how many people watch whatever special or news show he's on. It has really been fascinating to watch the last few days because whenever he speaks about Syria, when he came on to announce what had happened in Syria, what his response was, he read what was written for him, and that sounded nice. But then as he was walking away, it sounded nice. I mean, he was able to... For, for Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And The bar is always very low. Right. He walked away from the podium and someone shouted, what was the legal authorization that you had to do this? And the way that he responded physically to that question. Yeah, like you're challenging me. It just seemed like he does not know what's going on. Yeah. That someone said, here, go out there and read this. Here, this is what we're going to do. Here, this is the best response. I think that he's so lost. Yeah. And really just being told what to do or directed. It's kind of like in your work as a therapist, mm -hmm. where you don't tell them what to do. Right. They have to come to their own conclusions and their own solutions for their problems. But yeah, you, on the sly, you kind of lead them there. Right. You, you, you lead them to their own self-discovery. It's kind of the same thing with Donald Trump, where yeah. they're leading him to here. Oh, this would be a great thing. And, oh, you know what I think we should do? This. Oh, yes, Mr. President. That's great. Yeah. And that partly explains his radical change on Assad and right. Syria. Because <laughs> how quick did he change his mind? 24 fucking hours. It was a complete 180 turn. Right. We went from the Syrian people got to do some shit on their own. We're not going to have any intervention whatsoever. In fact, after the attack, even... The, the messages from the administration via the State Department, because Nikki Haley saying something completely different than Rex Tillerson. Mm -hmm. there, is, there is a problem right now right. with policy, which is even more problematic. The problem is problematic, Brittany, mm -hmm. when it comes to future strategy. Right. You can't just drop a bunch of fucking bombs and go away. It doesn't right. send a message, especially when you do no damage. Well, and people have said... We need to know what the plan is. Yes. So you did this. What are you expecting is going to happen next? Right. What's the plan here? Because they have said nothing. If not, then it's another Iraq where we didn't have it, what's called end state in mind. If you're interested in this kind of thing, audience, go check out a book called On War by, by Karl von Clausewitz. And it talks about this very thing, about establishing... You kind of plan backwards. This is where we want to end up. This is how we're going to do it. And they're they're doing exactly what they did in Iraq if they don't have in-state in mind. The other thing that we are fucking jumping the gun on 
is that there's been no diplomacy. We're not trying that at all. We're not trying embargoes. We're just fucking just lobbing bombs from an aircraft or, or, or a destroyer in the Mediterranean. That's not how responsible countries get things done, mm-hmm. especially with no planning, and especially without consulting Congress, at least, because he called Russia before he called Congress. What's that tell you? Well, and we're not supposed to just take his word for it, or he's proven that we can't do that. That's right. Right. And I guess we shouldn't trust anyone in a position of power to just take their word for it, right? So we need to know what's going on behind the scenes, and the American public should be informed about that. Yes. Well, here, listen, on that same note, let's listen to Jake Tapper talk to Secretary, not Secretary, she's the ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, who now apparently is, she's kind of emerging as the actual Secretary of State because Tillerson is a fucking deer in the headlights. He has no idea what's going on. He's just a figurehead. The chemical weapons attacks have been going on since 2013, um, but far more Syrians have been killed by conventional weapons, barrel bombs and the like, might that also be a trigger? I mean, President Trump clearly said that the use of chemical weapons uh, is what crossed the line for him. But is that the only line? Well, I can tell you that his focus was on the fact that innocent victims were hurt by a terrible regime that was attempted to be covered up by Russia or, you know, make excuses um, for Assad by Russia. And he said he wasn't going to put up with it. And to see the images, to see the pictures, and to see the horror of that act, knowing that it was a violation of the Chemical Weapons Convention, knowing it was a violation of multiple Security Council resolutions, he said, enough. We're not going to, we're not going to watch this anymore. So, but this is a departure. And I'm, while I'm not second-guessing the decision, uh, you know, as I said, it's not the first chemical weapons attack It's not the worst chemical weapons attack. And in fact, during the campaign, President Trump warned against getting involved militarily in Syria. Take a listen. Not that big an area. The airspace is very limited. So now you have, what are we going to start World War III over Syria? So he was was worried about starting World War III over Syria. Why is that no longer a concern? And why was the 2013 chemical weapons attack, which, as you know, was deadlier, um, not a trigger for him in terms of the principle of in action in, in Syria. Well, he wasn't president in 2013. And but he I can opposed tell you, it. He, oppo- he opposed action, though. But I don't know what his thought process was then. I can tell you what his pro- thought process was this week, which was he is not going to condone chemical weapons use ever. And so what you saw was he wasn't just going to say it. He was. But it was okay in 2013. He's not going to. He's not going to condone chemical weapons attacks ever, except for 2013. Right. Ever means ever. Ambassador Haley. Well, he wasn't in the government at that time. Uh, well, he, he was, was a just... president. What the fuck does that matter? Well, that's their excuse. Always. It? Oh, well, th- that was in private. Yeah. He, no, no, no. He, no. When he said he wanted to grab him by the pussy, no, that was a private conversation. That's, it's almost like he didn't, that didn't happen. Yeah. Because it was in private. Oh, there were mics? Yeah, but it was in private. She continues going to act and what we have seen at the at the united nations is a huge sigh of relief they're just so thankful that the united states led on this issue and we called out russia because we needed to we've put iran on notice because that we need to get that 
um, influence out of there. And we've told Syria we are not going to watch this anymore. And so what the president chooses to do, I hope that what Iran sees and Syria sees and Russia sees is that this is a president that's not afraid to act and that he does expect to move towards a political solution. And they have to show genuine um, willingness to do that. He's not concerned anymore, though, about this being a potential quagmire, about this potentially starting World War Three. I can tell you that of the conversations I had this week, he knew what the risks were. He knew what the situation was. He looked at the history of the situation and he decided. And I think his decision was right. And I think you can see that from the international community. They all fully support it. So they keep on trotting out this phrase of he he was ready to act. He's a, a president who's ready to act. Right, right. Listen, that's not great. That's not always the best thing. How about a president who's ready to think about shit? Yeah, that seems pretty important. Someone who can delay and get the best people around him to help him make the best possible decision based on facts, history, reason. Yeah. Well, and also, what are we going to do once we're in there? We're going to drop some bombs that the next day they're going to use. Uh, uh, we're going to drop bombs on an airfield where they're going to be able to use the runways hours later and fucking fly and go kill more people. That seems like a, a waste of fucking time. Oh, and we're going to call the Russians and let them know we're coming too before we let Congress know what, what we're doing. Right. What the fuck's going on here? The Russians who said that the chemical attack was fake. Right. Well, listen... All fake news. All roads point to my previous prediction. And I'm not the only one who thinks it. The U.S. strike on a Syrian airbase. It's drawn both praise and criticism and suggestions. The whole thing was aimed at diverting attention from President Trump's domestic problems, like in the 1997 movie Wag the Dog. I want you to produce. You want me to produce your war? Not a war. It's a pageant. We need a theme. The movie is about a spin doctor and a Hollywood producer who fabricate a war in order to cover up a presidential sex scandal. Philip Gordon wrote about Wag the Dog on Politico. He was a special assistant to the president in the Obama administration and is a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations. Joining us now from our Washington studios. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, this would seem to be, well... The allegations suggest a very cynical and mercenary thing, staging a military attack for purely domestic political reasons. I mean, it's a pretty serious accusation you're making. Uh, I wouldn't say, I don't think anybody has suggested that it was staged for purely political reasons. Indeed, I think you can make a strong uh, substantive strategic case for uh, action. Uh, I did think, though, and do think it's important to ask the question, what's really behind this? It's hard to overstate how uncharacteristic this is for Donald Trump. Somebody who for six years was totally against intervention in Syria, uh, said that Obama's red line in chemical weapons was dumb, argued against enforcing that red line at the time when, by the way, uh, 15 times as many Syrians were killed with chemical weapons in 2013 than now. Just last week, his top advisors were saying that we could live with Assad. And then suddenly, after all that context, he decides that uh, after an attack last week, uh, we should use military force. It really doesn't add up. And that's why I think it's important to ask the question, is there something more to it than that? 
Well, let me ask you, you've put that question out. How would you answer it? I mean, do you think it will have the effect you're describing or, or liken it to the movie that's suddenly going to solve all his political problems? Well, I think in the short term it has. I mean, there is a uh, strong political case that this was good for him. Uh, remember last week we were talking about his terrible poll numbers. There's an FBI investigation to the president. People are suspecting that he's somehow in cahoots with the Russians, and this showed that he's not. He's getting praise from Democrats and Republicans alike a lot in the region. So at least in the short term, uh, you know, you say it's a, an outlandish suggestion, but in the short term, it actually makes perfect sense and it fits and it's, a, and it's good politics. Uh, I worry, though, that if that's the reason for doing it, we get in trouble down the road because, once again, you know, there's no uh, strategic, uh, sustained, consistent logic to it if that's really what uh, was mostly behind the decision. And there's another problem related to if it was just a, a one-hit wonder kind of a deal. If, we, if we're just going to lob the bombs as we're sending a message, we won't put up with chemical attacks. If that's the case, it doesn't send a message. Listen, Syria, I had a lot of problems on Facebook this weekend. <laughs> because I, I was attacked by a bunch of conspiracy theorists who don't believe, one, that Bashar al-Assad is a problem. They think he's a nice guy, mm -hmm. humanitarian. And they believe Putin <laughs> is a good guy, too. All right. And this is a conspiracy, a false flag. Syria, that's all bullshit. That is complete bullshit. Syria is complicated. Wait, Bashar al-Assad is not a good guy? <laughs> he's not a good guy. Oh. Uh, it's complicated because there are no good guys. There are innocent civilians who are good guys. But nobody with an axe to grind, nobody with an agenda in Syria is on the good guy side. Bashar al-Assad is a fucking dictatorial, genocidal maniac. You have the resistance against Assad, which is terror adjacent. And then you have ISIS. We all fucking know about ISIS. Well, I love the people who are saying that um, trying to make sense of why Bashar al-Assad would do this, right? Would do this chemical attack. Yeah. Because they're saying it doesn't make sense. That essentially he's, he has what he wants. Yeah, he's winning the war. Why would he do this? But... <laughs> Those people are trying to put like normal person behavioral parameters on a psychopathic dictator. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you're trying to make sense of someone who murders people without a care. He doesn't care. Right. How can you make sense of someone who's doing that? That's difficult. Well, you can't. What's the phrase you always use? You got to deal with the world on, on its own terms or what's the thing you say? reality on reality's terms that's right also i didn't coin that that's dr drew okay well whatever yeah. i heard you say it i don't listen to fucking hln well so. i excuse me i used to listen to loveline when i was a kid and he would say mental health is accepting reality on reality's terms and <laughs> you can see how a lot of these conspiracy theorists are not doing that right <laughs> that is exactly right because there's a reality here yes and some of us know what that is, I well, think. Listen, Although I think it's it, a very complicated situation and it is hard to know. I think it's easy sometimes to fall into the conspiracy side of things. Yes. Because it's more fantastical. Mm -hmm. But the easiest solution is almost always the way to go. Right. Well, and of course... He's done it before. 
He's fucking killed his people before. What was the what was the tactical advantage then? Yeah. He's he drew the ire of the world before and he did what he did on a grander scale than he did this time. A lot of times these despots are betting against the involvement of the United States because they know it's unpopular on the ground in the United States. That wasn't necessarily the case this time because Donald Trump was all the media organizations were S and his D. He got a little reprieve from kind of a day off from the Russia bullshit and all the other scandals that are surrounding him in his very short administration. Well, that's something that concerns me, which is we don't have someone who is knowledgeable or respected at the helm. And so it would be one thing if... Putin and Assad feared or didn't know what to expect with who we had in charge. But they know that we have an incompetent reality star. Yeah. That was elected. Yeah. To be the commander in chief. What's he going to do? And they have many of Putin's friends in, in the biz there. Right. So these are things that concern me. Well, also the attack, quote unquote, attack in retaliation for the chemical weapons attack, didn't do fucking anything. Mm-hmm. We didn't even key his car, effectively. We did no damage to Bashar al-Assad, to his administration, to his regime. Yeah, so it was supposed to be this display of strength. Yeah. But Donald Trump is not strength. Well, even Donald Trump, he tweeted, well, the reason, because people criticized, why didn't you take out the airfield? Why didn't you take out the runways? You could drop, there's all kinds of munitions that you can drop that will pit that fucking, that airfield to make it completely inoperable. Because you need a relatively smooth surface to, to take off and land a jet. And he doesn't have Harriers that take off vertically. Or the V-22, he doesn't have that. Brittany's looking quizzical. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so he didn't have the capabilities that we have in the United States. It's a dumb laid. We need to... We needed to pepper that fucking airfield and destroy it. But Donald Trump comes out and says, oh, the, well, the reason we didn't do that is because they can easily fix them by filling and top, like you trying to use technical terms. Look, it's not a fucking, you don't leave a pothole in the airway, dickface. It's a goddamn crater that can't just be filled in. Huh, just send the crew out there and p- p- patch it with some blacktop. This is what I'm talking about. The perception from the other players in the world. Yes. It's embarrassing that this is the guy that we have in charge, that he is the commander in chief. I kept saying all weekend how much more comfortable I would feel (laughs) with Hillary Clinton as president, even though she is hawkish, right? I think that she would approach this from a very different and educated position. Sure. Whereas Donald Trump is just all over the place. All over the place. Here's the other thing. And I know our audience, a large portion of them are going to disagree with what I'm getting ready to say. And that's okay. It's okay to disagree on these matters. That's why the conversation is so critical in moments like this. But look, war, to, to hold, in my view, to hold the position that war is an untenable choice always, mm-hmm. that doesn't work in the real world. You can't just not have war ever because there are moments in our history where it was necessary. Right. Sometimes it's a necessary evil. So you're not a pacifist. No. 
You, you can't be. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> how would a peace talk go with Bashar al-Assad? Well, that, that's exactly right. There well, are, there are right. some people that are so far gone Kim in Jong-un. terms of having a reasonable conversation. Kim Jong-un is another great one. He indoctrinates his entire country they believe, to believe that we're the enemy from a very young age. They believe there's a global famine right now. They're starving, and they're told everybody else is too mm-hmm. because there's not enough food for everybody. And from a very young age, they're taught to hate America. Yes. Hate Americans. It's they don't in like know any it's in little cute cartoons that they make for the kids. Yeah. It's horrific. And they and you're right, they don't know any better. He has complete control. Right. So would having a conversation with him, hey, Kim Jong un, listen. <laughs> what are you going to do? Send fucking Dennis Rodman to do some dunks? Yeah. Come on. I, I just, I don't see that going well. So anyway, having said that, look, I understand a lot of people who, I, I, I get it, that war is a bummer and it's fucking terrible. It's horrible. And it, and it brings destruction and chaos and innocent people invariably get killed in the execution of a war. But without war... We might likely be speaking Japanese or German right now or before that when the war was necessary. Sometimes you have to have war. And I just don't see any way around it until, you know, it's like Star Trek and everybody's all fucking peaceful and, you know, we all get along. There's no money or whatever the fuck they had going on in that show. That's a real thing. They didn't have money in Star Trek. I have never watched it, unfortunately. Well, Brett tells me about it. Anyway, so we just don't live in that time. We're yeah. not there yet. Yeah. And until then, you know, we got what we got. Yeah. And then we have to just uh, be in restaurants and start crying because of the news. Yes. That is exactly right. So, and listen, I, I would love to hear what you guys think about this. Obviously, it's a very complex situation. Um, but this is what we do this show for, to talk about these issues. Maybe this next, maybe this week we should do our call-in show. Yeah. One one day this week. What day would that Probably be? Probably not this week. Not this week. Because thesis defense is Friday. Oh, that's right. All right. So, we'll do it the week after. And hopefully, this all the serious business continues so we can talk about it. It's a joke. <laughs> We know it's a joke. Anyway, we will schedule that. We want to do that. So um, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's finish the show. Goddamn, we're skipping all kinds of stuff. Let's finish the show with a little Bill O'Reilly talk. Huh? Should he be, should he be asshole of today? Might as well. It's the asshole of today. Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, we blew our wad. So <laughs> Bill O'Reilly, there is new news. There is new news coming out of Fox News, everybody. Oh my God. So 21st Century Fox has announced that it will investigate Fox News. Is it 20? Did they change the name of the... It's 21st Century Fox now? Yeah. Because it was 20th Century Fox It's 21st Century Fox. Oh, they changed the whole deal. Yeah. All right. They are going to be investigating Fox News over Bill O'Reilly harassment cases. That's right. They're going to use the same group of people who did the independent investigation into Roger Ailes, which led to him being shit canned. Right. Lisa Bloom 
went to CNN and said, quote, I'm told that they are taking it seriously and they are going to do the investigation that's legally required of them. She said she had been hearing from even more women about O'Reilly in the past, and there might be even more claims to come. This is not blowing over, she said. And then there's one other clip I want to play related to this Bill O'Reilly thing, and it's from Van Jones. Now, I've had my criticisms of Van Jones when he got all fucking weird and emotional after Donald Trump's uh, joint uh, session speech. Well, he read that speech from the teleprompter. It was so great. Uh, Donald Trump became president of the United States tonight, everybody. Okay, hang on. Moving. I want to talk about people saying that in the aftermath of him sending the missiles. Well, to- you, sh- you should have done that five minutes ago when we were talking about that. Oh. Go ahead. Well, so <laughs> Fareed Zakaria... Oh, yeah. Said that he became president that night. As soon as those missiles launched, everybody, I can't believe Donald Trump's president <laughs> of the United States with those missiles, everybody. Fareed Zakaria, he of sounds, all people. He sounds a lot like uh, Van Jones, <laughs> my impression of Van Jones. He does. He really does. And then <laughs> Brian Williams. Oh, yeah. Those missiles were so beautiful in the night sky, <laughs> everybody. He, he literally said... <laughs> I'm feeling the need to quote Leonard Cohen right now Uh, and gave a Leonard Cohen quote about the beauty of our weapons or something. uh, Seriously. What what are you talking about? Just goddamn. It was, (laughs) it was a disgusting display. It is so strange. It is so strange. It's not a firework display on 4th of July, Brian Williams. No. A guy who I admire. I love Brian Williams. Yeah. He's a real cool cat. I don't know that. (laughs) That's an inside joke, everybody. Yeah. We may have talked about it on the show. People have to know it's an inside joke because why the hell would I laugh that much just at you (laughs) saying he's a cool cat? Yeah. You never laugh at anything. Why would you laugh at... Seriously. So anyway, there was a weird response. Now let's get back to Bill O'Reilly. Thanks for fucking... What are you doing to the show right now? (laughs) I'm making it so good is your liquid smoke beer just that tasty it tastes so bad <laughs> so bad so anyway they're, they're going to investigate and then then we're getting back to see i can't even fucking think of my train of thought here van jones van, jo- van jones the president so great van jones he had an awesome point oh yeah he did because when donald trump came out and said oh uh I, I know Bill O'Reilly. He didn't do this. He wouldn't do anything like this. In the New York Times interview. Right. I mean, they criticized Obama when he came out and talked about Trayvon Martin. How how inappropriate it was for, for, for President Obama to say that if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. That's not your job, Mr. President. Shut the fuck up. But Donald Trump can defend a serial, alleged serial harasser of women. And oh. Uh, of course, why wouldn't he do that? Yeah. They're they're two birds of a fucking feather, grabbing pussies left and right, jerking off on phone calls. So here's Van Jones saying good stuff. So before we leave tonight, I have a final thought. Today, a reporter asked President Trump about Fox News star Bill O'Reilly and the sexual harassment allegations against him. And the president of the United States responded, I don't think Bill did anything wrong. Now, look, we could just brush this off as another example of Trump spewing out garbage about stuff he doesn't understand. But actually, Trump understands treating women like crap very well, because at least 11 different women have accused President Trump of sexual harassment themselves. Also, Trump seems to know a lot about being a hypocrite. 
because when another bill, Bill Clinton, was accused of similar stuff, Trump went on the warpath then saying that the women were right and that that bill was wrong. But that's not the worst of it. Here's the messy truth that nobody's talking about. Liberal feminists, honestly, they were never in Trump's camp anyway. So maybe he doesn't owe them very much. But Donald Trump owes conservative women everything. They came out for him in droves. They stopped Hillary Clinton and they put him in power. And those are the kinds of women, it's pretty safe to assume, work at Fox News. Now look at Trump throwing conservative women under the bus, his own core supporters, without even giving them two seconds of a fair hearing. Zero loyalty to the women who got him into the White House. That's got to be devastating for Trump supporters. And now where is warrior for women Ivanka Trump? Where is she? She says she wants to use her platform for good. Well, good. Your dad just spat in the face of the very women who gave you and your family that platform. I am sure that your fellow conservative women would like to hear from you now, and so would the rest of us. So would the rest of us. So I want to thank my studio audience and all of you watching at home. We've had an honest conversation. We had a lot of fun. We had the governor. Keep the conversation going at home, in your dinner tables, in your neighborhoods. Hey, it's getting a little close to stealing our slogan. <laughs> Keep on the conversation going, everybody. So he's expecting a lot from Ivanka Trump. I don't. Right. Where is he getting the idea yeah, that she is. should do any of that? That's not going to happen. I am confused. She might get her pussy grabbed. We know about the fondness that Donald Trump has for his daughter. All right. <laughs> he has a great point here, though. It's an awesome point. And. I wish that more people would come out and be critical of this. Instead, what I see from Trump supporters who are women is this blind defense of Donald Trump. And I've been in several conversations where I've been talking to women who are Trump supporters. And I will talk about this issue of the grabbing the pussies. And they'll start talking about Bill Clinton. And listen, we can be an equal opportunity. Yes, wrong is wrong. Male abuser hater. That's fine. Talk about Bill Clinton, I guess. It's not relevant. I, I Listen, <laughs> I think he's a dick. You're not convincing yeah. me. But to say that somehow Bill O'Reilly and Donald Trump get a pass because they are on your political team is very strange. It's a very odd impulse, especially as a woman, especially as a woman who has likely been victimized in these ways to then give these people a pass yeah, because or, of politics. And a lot of these women have daughters. Right. A lot of these men have daughters. If Donald Trump had been on tape talking about one of their daughters. I would have caved his fucking head in. It is unacceptable. Absolutely. If Bill O'Reilly had treated one of their friends like this. Brick to the head. I mean, that's... Not a proportionate is, response, it, but yes, it is. It's violence inducing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I'm getting daggers at me. It, I, it, well, listen, maybe, maybe this is again. If you're going to assault my daughter, my flesh and blood. Well, I was talking about Bill O'Reilly, the harassment. But maybe not quite as violent <laughs> a, 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 a fucking response, but it's going to make me feel like uh, committing a little violence, right? 
Because you know what happens when you knock a guy around who, who, who does shit like that? He thinks about it twice the next time he thinks about doing it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he won't do it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's caveman logic. That is caveman logic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can speak to the caveman and another man when you act like a tougher caveman. <laughs> yeah. I got a whole theory, everybody. It- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, and I think that's good. And I've. You don't think that's good. I don't think that's, I think that you're onto something in terms of developing a theory. I think that's oh, good. Right. Okay. So. I've been talking to you a lot about my own past experiences with this kind of stuff. And I have, my godfather always says to me that the things that he regrets most in life are his failures of kindness. And I always tell him that. (laughs) Here it comes, everybody. The things that I regret most are those moments where I should have told someone to fuck off and didn't. And the, I'm I'm being serious because yeah, there yeah. have been many situations throughout my life. And listen, I'm, where you got real passive and yeah. allowed yourself to be victimized or abused yes. or treated poorly. And it's uncharacteristic of who I am. But there have been situations where men have said things to me, even recently, even as recent as two years, where they have said something to me and I have been quiet and I haven't said something. So. I don't know why that happens because like I said, it's uncharacteristic. I think it depends on the environment, right? Sometimes you just don't want to cause a scene. Or it's your job. You don't want to get fired. Yeah. Sometimes you feel uncomfortable because you don't want to make other people uncomfortable that are around to witness it and you don't want to escalate it. I think that a lot of times is it. So there's, there's factors that go into this, right? But I think that I... (laughs) I'm going to try to be better because collectively, if all women were to come together and tell people to fuck off who deserve to be told fuck off more often, I think that that would be a good thing. It's all the fuck we need. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I've been sitting on that clip for like three different shows. Yes. That is Dan from Deadwood. It's all the fuck we need. Deadwood, my top three favorite shows of all time. on HBO. Anyway, we're going to end the show there, guys. We love you guys. We do want to hear from you about all of the different topics we talked about today. There's some heavy shit here. We we didn't even get into the fact that Donald Trump's fucking himself with this whole serious situation. We'll talk about that next time, hopefully, if we get to it. But we love you guys. We're building something beautiful here. And although it's a weird metric, the Patreon and PayPal response that we see... It's it makes me feel really good, and it's not just because you guys are giving your money. It's because it's a it's a a measurable display of how many people we're reaching. So we love you, we appreciate you, and we want to hear from you. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at Until next time, we will see you then. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. It's just me talking out of my spicy butthole. Okay.